The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you ever suffered from, oh, I don't know, a broken nail, a flat tire, one thing after another that you just couldn't handle it and then you lost it? Have you ever had a relatively great week, and then all of a sudden you realize um, you lost a, a, a loved one, a friend, and your life crumbled. Crises can occur in all forms, from the basic hangnail to the catastrophic accident. Whether it's big or small, part of life is crises. How do we manage? to handle the inevitable part of life, which is tragedy. If you've ever handled a problem with health and crisis, today's your day because we're going to discuss how to cool down in the midst of crisis. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on mindbodyspirit.fm network. My name is Dr. Mona Lisa. Subscribe to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please understand this is educational only and not in, intended to be a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psych th- psychotherapy. But please contact your physician or other practitioner if you have an emergency. Today's show is different because you turn on the TV, you turn on Hulu, um, any kind of Apple TV, Netflix, crime TV shows one catastrophe and other. Whether it's the latest shooting, mass shooting, we are in a world filled with catastrophe. After a while, we become numbed. We used to get all fired up with the latest war, the latest indignity of someone watching someone suffer. And now we're numbed. We're frozen in the midst of all these crises. I remember watching when I was a camp counselor watching some adolescent have a meltdown over something stupid 
like, you know, someone stepped on her lunch or, uh, you know, someone gave her a dirty look. And that was a meltdown. You couldn't figure out if it was hormonal or someone's lunch actually got stepped on or it was a real, real emergency. There were some people who had problems with moods and they had trouble with an area in their brain, the frontal executive function, that they couldn't stabilize their moods. And they went one tantrum after another, which then became meltdowns, that then became a diagnosis of bipolar. We, whether we call these pitching a fit, having a conniption fit, or, you know, that person is, you know, a little moody. And then we watch the latest political feud, people, you know, calling each other names. We are in a world of crisis. Sometimes it can be melodramatic. I remember right before I got on this show, I remember a very funny song by the Bee Gees. And it was partly humorous. Um, the song is Tragedy. And it's about someone, I think, in their adolescence. Here I lie, lost, lonely. I don't think I can go home. I can't make it alone. I really should be holding you, holding you, loving you. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Is it really a tra tragedy? It's melodramatic. You know, I'm sure you can do fine for a moment if you're not holding you, holding you, holding you. And then the guy screams, tragedy. That was the Bee Gees. I thought it was funny. I never realized how funny that song was. And then, you know, the second standard is when the feeling's going, you can't go on, it's tragedy. I mean, you know, feelings come and they go. We got fear, anger, sadness, love, and joy. You know, it's like the weather in New England. That's melodramatic of, of you know, when you're in uh, pre-teens. You're like, oh, no, I can't go to school. He looked, it didn't look at me the right way. And you're like, that's a tragedy. And, and, you know, we usually say, listen, you don't know what tragedy is all about. Okay, you better cool it. No, it's a crisis. And then they go, you don't understand. They don't love me. Our relationship's going nowhere. And then, you know, the next stanza of the song goes, when you lose control and you got no soul, it's tragedy. That's tragedy. The song matures in the third center, the third stanza. When you're truly alone, no one's there for you. We all reach a time in our life when a child dies, a partner leaves us. We lose a job, lose money, lose our health. These are tragedies. These are crises. How do we withstand them? Perhaps we gain some resilience from that crush when we grow up, where we figure out how to cool it from that tragedy. The many crises we learn to handle 
so that we can handle the more major ones. So we learn not to make fun of our kids. Minor spills. Because they learn to handle the bigger ones. But how do you handle the when the feeling's gone in your relationship? When your partner says, uh, you know, it's not there for me. Or when you feel that dull ache inside of you when you feel that your health is losing control. <clears throat> Today I have a shirt on by Dolly Parton. And Dolly Parton is known for, you know, having big hair. She says it's piled high to, G high to Jesus. And she says it takes a lot of money to look this cheek, cheap. But she also has a shirt I own that says it takes a lot of rain to make rainbows. And the South has a lot of these sayings, especially in the hills, because there is a lot of tragedy. And you have to figure out how to handle them with these colloquial sayings. Well, people aren't all rainbows and light, but there is a lot of crying and rain. Recently, Savannah Guthrie was on the Today Show. I'm sitting there or standing there trying to get ready, cleaning the kitty litter, trying to get shower, trying to get to breakfast. And there she is talking about her book, Mostly What God Does. Now, whether you believe in God, the universe, or whatever you can believe in, no one wants to be alone in a crisis. And just like the immortal Bee Gees would say, here I lie in a, in, all alone and lost in a lonely part of town. Nobody wants to be alone in it. So... What do you do when you're alone with your problem? What do you do? So one would hope that you don't have the existential crisis of being alone with it. And in the end, even though there's someone there, whether it's the cancer, the diagnosis, the loss of that loved one, in the end, we really are alone with it. So she talks about the day she came home when she was really young, I think 12, Savannah, and she opens up the door of her house and they tell her her father has died. And she said that her sister said it best, that in her family, they were very religious and God was a sixth member of her family. It's very religious. It's even more religious than my Aunt Evie, who had a sixth grade, had a six six foot high Jesus statue in the living room. That's religious. He actually was probably another person in the house. In fact, you could see him as you drove by Brookdale Avenue. But anyway, I digress. So when her father died, all of her friends thought, oh, you know, Savannah's so faithful. Savannah's so faithful. Just like the book of Job, let's see how much faith you have when something's taken away from you. You know how it is, the book of Job. 
Carolyn Mace hates it when I explain it this way. Apparently, the story goes that God and the devil, Hasatan, is sitting at a bar, eating peanuts and beer, drinking beer. And Hasatan, Satan goes, oh, you know, you say your people are so great. I don't think they're that great. How much faith do you have to have if nothing goes wrong in your life? I mean, for God's sakes, Job's got everything. He's got cows. He's got sheep. He's got all this money in the world. He's got all these kids. Some faith. Big deal. God goes, God, the universe or whatever you believe in goes, oh, stop it. You know what? You have a bad attitude, bad attitude. So Satan goes, huh. If you have no skin in the day in the game, if you have no loss, how do you gain faith? Think about that. If you have no tragedy and have no crisis, how do you develop faith, stamina, belief, hope? Those things that give you resilience. We know that people who live longer and live well have something called an internal locus of control. What is an internal locus of control, you say? What is an internal locus of control? It means that I, I inside of me, have an effect on my life. You're not doing it to me. He's not doing it to me. She's not doing it. They're not after me. It's that inside of me, I have an effect on my life. Well, if you have faith in something within you, outside of you, a higher power, whatever you believe in, you feel that you can have some influence in your life in partnership with something else in the universe. So in many ways, God, the universe, or whatever you believe in, with Satan at the bar, Satan's saying, you know what, big deal. How much faith do you really have if nothing happens? That's right. That's why we have crises in our life, is develop that internal locus of control. So God, the universe, or whatever you believe in, and believe it or not, he had a hyphen name sitting at the bar. A lot of people have hyphenated names. He says, okay, Job, he's my finest. We'll give him a problem, a big crisis, a big tragedy. Let's just see how much faith he does, okay? So he presses a button underneath the bar. All bars have a button. I don't know if you know that or not. There's a button underneath there that creates a tragedy. So he presses the button. Lightning. Couple of cows go under. Couple of sheep, they die, they roll over. I don't know, a couple of people die. It's not known what happened. But anyway, Job gets up, he whistles a tune, and he's still in a good mood. So next Thursday, God, the universe, or whatever you believe in, and Hasatan meet for their weekly beer and nuts event. God, the universe, or whatever you believe in, G-U-W, whatever you believe in, they meet together and God goes, whatever, you know, what about my, uh, my, my friend, my offspring, Job, not too shabby. Satan's got, you know, sour mood, sour puss. He goes, ah, stop. All the bad stuff that happened in his life, the tragedy, happened around things around him. It's easy to handle a crisis or a tragedy if it happens around you. But what if it happens to you 
if you like, get COVID. Didn't think they had COVID back then. COVID. Or you got a bad mammogram. Or you got a bad testogram. They had testograms back then. Or you got in an automobile accident. Or there was a real bad problem on the subway. They had subways back then. Or something or other. What then? What if he has physical, mental, personal suffering? What kind of faith is he going to have then? God, the universe, or whatever you believe in goes, you know, you've always got something. You've already, you really got a bad attitude. What did your mother do to you or your father? This is fine. Give him some kind of illness. Don't make it bad. Maybe something in the dermatology department. I hear it's a very short residency in medical school. Whatever it is, don't make it that bad. It's just okay. So he presses the button under the bop. And actually, he gives him some kind of vasculitis. So he gets all kinds of boils. It's really bad. Vasculitis is really bad. Next Thursday comes around. All of Job's friends have left him. I think the sheep got it. The cows got it. A couple of kids died. It was bad. And Job had his moments of, why me? Why me? Because everybody can have that. They can all crump. That's an industry term for lose it, hit bottom, whatever. But he made it. Savannah Guthrie lost her, fa her father. And her friends, just like Job's friends, some friends, they say, their friends go, well, your father died. You're still going to have faith? Meaning, where was God, the universe, whatever you believe in, when your father died? Why wasn't he prevented from dying? The age-old term of, why do we even have crises anyways? Why? What is the point of having tragedy? And they said, aren't you going to lose your faith? Aren't you going to lose your hope? And Savannah Guthrie said, then I lose two things, not one. I lose my father and my faith. And I'm watching this on TV and I'm crying, crying, crying. Because we've all been there. We've lost the money. We've lost the health. The cat, the dog, the friendship, the family member. We sat there. And we may have almost, we may have even given up hope. And then we felt worse. Why? Because when you give up hope, then you got nothing. And then you're really alone. People have heard, you know, people have heard that um, over the last several years, several decades, I've had a series of surgeries on my spine, maybe six. Most people save money so they can have a catastrophe and they can live for a year. Well, I've had six, so I've used up a lot of savings. So well-meaning friends have said, you know, you got to cut back. 
Well, you know, there is no cutting any more cutting back if you don't have a back. <laughs> Pun not intended. Back in 2006, before the re recent round of catastrophes, I had breast cancer, which was a tragedy. That one was really bad. And I had it in both breasts because I'm Portuguese and we're very thorough. We're going to do something. Let's just get it done. Both sides. And then the year after I had it, I had um, lymph nodes in my neck. And I was really scared. I was afraid I was going to die. And that was a tragedy. That was a crisis. And so I didn't want to go to the doctor, and I don't suggest you do this, because I didn't want to lose my hair for the summer. So for internal locus of control, I went on the web, and my car was getting old, my Honda. And I always wanted to when I was in my 70s, and I paid off all my debt, <laughs> get a car, a sports car. And a sports car. And I realized that I might not live old enough to do that, long enough to do that. So I built the sports car on the web, and then I went to the dealership on Monday, and I opened up my Honda, and all the orthopedic pillows fell out. The dealer comes running out, goes, may I help you? And ironically, I say, I want to build this car. This is really expensive. And he said, don't you want the Volkswagen dealership? And I went, no, I want this car. And he said, why? And I said, because I have breast cancer and I have lymph nodes now. And he went, my mother does. So he makes me a um, second mortgage on my house. And we build the car. Because I wanted enough. That's what, one of the ways in which you deal with a crisis, internal locus of control. You create a date in the future that you have to live for. You create something for the future. You create something positive. It displaces the negativity of the event. Creation is the opposite of destruction. And future is the opposite of it's all over with undoomed. So I build this car. I also called Carolyn Mason and said, am I nuts to do this? And she stopped and she went, do it. So a month later, the lymph nodes were gone. And I realized I was in the opposite direction. Meanwhile, it's terrible how difficult it is to pay for this car. Didn't matter. Every month, I had to work to pay off this car. Five years later, I lived. The literature suggests that if you have a future purpose, you're more likely, that, you know, focus, positive, internal locus of control. I'm building something. You're more likely to live longer. So five years later, I get this piece of paper in the mail and a friend of mine goes, um, what is that piece of paper you're holding? I said, I don't know what it is. Am I in trouble with this sports car organization? She said, you idiot. You own your car. I went, I own this car? She said, you do. Guess what I did? I realized that I had to buy another one. 
So I traded it and bought another one because I had to live long enough to buy the new one. And I bought that car over and over again since 2006. So recently, after the latest stint in the OR, after becoming a paraplegic and a quadriplegic, friends of mine wanted to help me with my finances. And they said, get a cut back. We have a crisis. We want to seize control. We want to batten down the hatches. We want to narrow so we can have everything under control. Seize control. And the inference is, now understand, do not be confused. That internal locus of control does not mean control everything around you. It does not mean that. Because you cannot control the world. You cannot control your cancer. You cannot control the war everywhere. That's not about what it is. It's learning how to dance along with the sadness. There is no madness. There is just the song of the soul. That is a song by Chris Williams. Or a song by Chris Williams. It's learning how to be with it. It's learning how to live with it. But not stop it or push it away. That's a mindfulness. Thich Nhat Hanh. To live with the rhythm of it. So... They create a budget, and the budget is, why don't you sell your house, move into assisted living or some small condo, which would involve me getting rid of my cats, which are like my friends. I mean, for God's sakes, we play canasta together. I mean, come on, or mahjong. I mean, how do you get cats who play mahjong, I ask you? They do not have opposable thumbs. It's very hard for them to pick up those dials, and you're like, I don't believe this. Suffice it to say, for me to get rid of my four cats, and then they say, well, you know, you can rent an apartment. And I went, with four cats? Are you kidding me? I mean, my cats, Tammy Wynette, Conway Twitty, Loretta Lynn, and Horatio, I'm going to get rid of those cats? Oh, and Minnie Pearl. What am I going to say to Minnie? Time to cut back. Tighten the belts. And then they said, get rid of the Porsche, get a Volkswagen which I completely understand. On paper, it makes sense. They said, you gotta constrict. And I get that. I understand it. It's rationale, but crises are not rationale. And the solutions are not always rationale. Sometimes you don't constrict, you expand. It's called spiritual paradox. But I did what they asked. I started the process of selling the sports car and buying a Volkswagen. And one of the reasons why I did was if I died, I would have a paid-for car in my garage that then somebody wouldn't hear it clear. It wouldn't have a car loan. And then I got really sick. And then I got really sad. Why? Then I was really in a crisis. Because 
I lost my forward purpose, my future purpose. I lost the, I had to live to pay off it. Now you might say, but Mona Lisa, it's difficult to pay off of it, but it was something to live for, for the future. Which is the reason why I bought the damn thing. Well, you say, well, you know, but that was more important for me than to give somebody in a will something that was paid off. And actually, I was surprised at that. That was the one selfish thing for me. That I was choosing to live, to pay off something for me rather than to die to give it to somebody else. I talked to them on the phone and I said, you know, there's a song. I heard it in a movie. It is a wonderful song. And it was in the movie Heartburn. It's an Aura Ephron movie. And the woman falls in love and she tries to make her life conform to her husband, but she can't. She can't. She constricts it, constricts it, constricts it, and it doesn't work. And as she's doing that, the song by Carly Simon is the Itsy Bitsy Spider. So as they're trying to get me to live in this constricted, constricted, smaller house, smaller apartment, smaller apartment, get a roommate, get a Volkswagen, I sing the Itsy Bitsy Spider. Went up the water spout. And the individual looks at me. I said, down came the rain and washed the spider out. And I said, how many times, and you can answer this for you, have we all had crises where the rain poured down and a, something we just climbed up, some goal we just climbed, and something just came down and knocked us down. Or the rain poured down. One surgery, two surgeries, three surgeries for you, a bankruptcy, a lost job, a lost child. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Person's looking at me listening to this. And I said, out came the sun and washed out all the rain. That's faith. That's hope. Because eventually the sun, faith, God, the universe, or whatever you believe in, will come out. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain. And the itsy bitsy spider climbed up the spout again. So I said, so you want me to narrow the spout? You want to constrict my life in this crisis? You want me to narrow the house, narrow the tube, narrow, get rid of all this so that my life can be more difficult? So I'll have less life? So no. Sometimes, ironically, we don't constrict. We expand so more life will come in. Sometimes when you have, yes, people who survive a crisis 
are more likely to have an internal locus of control that between them and a higher power, the divine, they can use mindfulness, they can use self-care, they can use support to transcend with patience this crisis. Internal locus of control. But that doesn't mean be a control fanatic. You also have to have ferocious, fierce courage to open up and expand to the possibility. Don't constrict, expand. So the miracles and the angels can come in. So I canceled the Volkswagen. <laughs> And I ordered another sports car. And the symptoms went away. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Could I have another surgery again? Yes. However, it makes room for more life. Which I can then give to someone else who's in the midst of a crisis and someone else and around and around and the itsy bitsy spider climbs up the spout again. I want to thank you. Today's show is about how to cool down in a crisis and in fact, transcend it. We have a few minutes left. Who has questions? Yes, Elma, how can I be? Unmute yourself, Elma. Hi, Dr. Mona Lisa. I am such a follower and a fan of yours. Thank you for all you do. It's been amazing to um, observe, be on the sidelines during your health challenges. You are incredible and inspiration. And um, I am so glad that you're getting better and better. Um, my question is, um, oftentimes during the show, you say, um, observe, describe, allow, wow. and that's the way of processing and, you know, the, the stuff that happens to us. And that's a, I don't understand how to do that. How to, okay. I know how to observe. You always say you have to name it. Um, you have to name it and that's the describe, but it's the allow part, the surrender or the acceptance of it that I, I think I need specific instruction on how to do okay. that part. Of Hold on a second. I used to every Wednesday, I used to have to get in the car and go into the Navy pool on the Navy base. It was very freezing. And very cold. <laughs> and we would take Red Cross swimming lessons. And Mrs. Earl, who I think was in her 100 or something, she used to have this bathing cap with the ears flipped up. You can't imagine. There's always one like that. Anyway, she would teach us swimming lessons. And we would start in the shallow end of the pool and then we would proceed after taking a test at the end of the class, 10 weeks, to the next session. And some people were better at the observe, describe, allow than others. I was not good at the allow. I got stuck in the shallow end of the pool because I'm a nervous thing. 
I'm from Rhode Island. That's what we call them, a nervous thing. And advanced beginner, you had to dive. And to dive, if you were to dive, you have to go to the edge, lean forward, and dive. Observe the water, allow yourself to fall, and then release. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't let go. And this happened once, this happened twice, until my mother said, you're not going. We're not paying for any more swimming lessons. So we went to the Howard Johnson's pool when they were Howard Johnson's and you could get those stupid clam strips. And she paid $5 for us to get in. And I waited for 20 minutes on the diving board and a crowd built up. The thing is, the problem with the allow is we keep thinking there's a perfect thing and there's a detailed way that we're supposed to something is supposed to happen perfectly at the end of the allow. And we're not supposed to feel pain. There's supposed to be a supposed to, and there isn't. And the great immortal words of Dory, the fish, when they're stuck in a whale, and you know Dory, she speaks fluent whale. Why are you? It's very funny. Anyway, She's stuck with this nebbish, this anxious father because they're looking for Nemo and she keeps forgetting his name. Is his name Fabio? She's got ADHD. So they're stuck in this whale and he's holding onto a rib or something. And she says, I get a feeling we should let go. And he says, how do you know? And she says, I don't. So she lets go. He has to or something, I don't remember. And the whale sneezes and they go through the blowhole. The thing with the letting go thing is eventually you're going to go anyway. You think you're in control. You get it? Eventually, either the whale was going to sneeze and he was going to go through the blowhole. You just want to look good and have control over when you do go. But you're going to go. A dear friend of mine recently died. Would were this person? She would always show up at my house when I just had a surgery, and she was going through cancer, and she kept going, coming to my house, and she didn't want to admit she had cancer. So she would say, you know, she had a lung infection, and just what happened? She had bilateral mets. But she would say, I think I should be on antibiotics. Don't you agree? And she'd look in my eyes to see what I thought. And you know, it's very hard for me to cover up my eyes when I'm thinking, Have you lost your marbles? <laughs> it's a problem. I have an eye issue with telling lying. I cannot lie. So she would come over to look in my face to see the truth when she was lying to herself. So I would get mad because I wasn't inviting her to my house. Was, But she was dying and she was having trouble letting go. Observe, describe, allow. Recently she was in the hospital and she texted me and I was going through all this awful stuff. And she said, um, I'm in a lot of pain and I'm not doing well. Um... I'm just hoping they let me, I couldn't believe it. She said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I just want them to let me out of the hospital soon. And I'm sitting there thinking, just get up and leave the hospital. <laughs> but even then, 
she didn't want to take charge of her life. She wasn't allowing, she wasn't letting go. And it was so sad. It was so sad. Because maybe we want it to look a certain way. Well, I, here I am on the diving board. Observe, describe, allow. It was very hard to let go because either maybe I thought it was going to hurt. Or maybe I thought I wanted to make it look like a good dive and I couldn't. Or maybe I was scared and I was. A, B, or C, or maybe in medical school, A, B, and C, is you, you just go E because it's all of the above. So I hit E and then I dove and it was the biggest belly flop. And so everybody who was standing by the side of the pool staring got wet. Good for them. Well, I repeated the same dive, which isn't really a dive, a belly flop. And I finally passed advanced beginners. What's amazing was that I became a swimming instructor. Which is ironic. Observe, observe describe, allow. The difficulty allowing is we want a perfect score. It's to look good. I hear these people in Hollywood go, I want you to turn off the camera because I'm an um, ugly crier. Like crying. There was a crying Olympics. Like people are supposed to be a lovely, lovely crier. I don't know how you cry on camera and look attractive. Observe, describe. You, you know the hottest part. Observe, describe. It's a polysensory experience. And like Dory, let go. I would um, do the opposite. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and see the folly of it. Get on, practice holding on and how painful it is. Do that for a good long time. Get on some monkey bars, get on the top and hold on. It's called paradoxical teaching. Go ahead, hold on. In fact, while you're at it, hold your breath. <laughs> and you'll realize that I can't do this. And it's antithetical to life, A. And B, I'm punishing myself. And C, I'm making it more painful. And in DBT, they would say, it is treatment interfering behavior. I'm getting in the way of myself. So you can keep doing it. You can keep doing it. You can, you can choose to keep doing that. Because you're not paralyzed. You don't have locked jaw. You don't have tetanus. Go to the ER and say, do I have tetanus? Is the reason why I cannot let go? No, you don't. You don't have spasticity. The answer is you don't choose to do the opposite. And I get that. They, they say that there's these kids and they say they're going to hold their breath. They're so mad they're going to hold their breath. <laughs> So the pediatrician goes, let them hold their breath. They eventually are going to have to stop holding their breath. And they'll, you know, they'll asphyx, they want to asphyxiate themselves. They'll stop doing that. It's the same thing. They don't want to let go. And I, I teach a seven-day class in intuition. The last two days, I teach 12 chakras. The last two days are based on Kabbalah. <laughs> you don't get a bakery string or any of that crap. Um, 
some of the chakras, the ninth chakra is uh, blessed. It's based on um, what your difficulties are. Your gifts are also what's difficult about you. So you think you're the only one who ever shed a tear. I've been told I'm the most stubborn thing that ever faced, that ever um, roamed the face of the earth. Problems with letting go? Problems with letting go, you say? I have scoliosis. I had a Harrington rod from T4 to L3. That's a long fusion. So what do I do? I decided to become a marathon runner. I carried that rod and my sari ass all up and down, over and over and over. So then I blew discs above and below the rod, and now I'm completely fused. So somebody asked the following question. Did I inflict this upon myself? I asked this to myself. When the first several discs, <laughs> the first two of, I don't know, so 10 minus 26, I never added it up. So 10 minus 20, I've blown 16 discs. 16 discs! <laughs> anyway, 16 of not letting go. When the first two went, I used to, in my mind, hear Cher sing, if I could turn back time, if I could find a way. <laughs> Gifts and curses. However, they may have gone. I have a severe form of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Veins rip on me. The inferior vein in cava, the biggest vein of the body, just ripped. I asked myself, like a zipper, it just opened up. How's a vein rip? That two of them did. Well, you know, IVC. So I, that's how I bled out and died in the OR in the first 10 minutes. But suffice to say, I digress. So I stuck it out with running all these miles, miles and miles and miles. So I thought, you know, maybe I caused this. Not really. I'm genetically predisposed to it. But think about it. I've blown all these discs. I'm now fused. Not many people with this condition walk. Nobody walks. When I'm in the hospital, they have, they always put me by the nurse's station. They have no walk precautions and I ignore it. They have all these signs and I rip them down and I hold on to the walls and I walk around to just aggravate the nurses. I shave my legs in the bed. I stick my leg right up. I have running shorts on because, you know, what are they going to do? Throw me out? Can't walk. Beside the, but beside the point is, the thing that helped get me into this, the stubbornness <laughs> of not giving in is a quality, perseverance, that's getting me out of it. So you don't want to let go? That's resilience, Missy. stick to stubbornness. It both begins with an S. During one of the marathons, I ran the Boston. Um, my neurologist warned me about this one because <laughs> I had to triple my anticonvulsants. So I got as far as, I got heat stroke. It was hot. So I got as far as Wellesley and I was weaving. 
You'd think that I'd pull over. No, not really. So the Red Cross pulls me over and they say, um, do you know who you are? Um, do you know where you're going? I mean, do you know who you are? Do you know what the date is? Where are you? So these are just evals. Um, orientation, a person, place, a date. I'm retired now, but you do in psychiatry, <laughs> neurology. So I said, I don't who... I don't know who I am, but I know where I'm going. I'm going to the Prudential Center. The last thing that goes before you were in a coma and lose the ability to speak is your name or the biographical data. I didn't know what my name was, and it's hard to forget the name Mona Lisa, but I knew where I was going. That's pretty stubborn. I was going to the Prudential Center, and I was not happy when they put me on a bus with a bunch of moderately or overly obese businessmen they were all businessmen for whatever reason. I was not happy because I thought if I stuck it out, I could make it. Who knows? Did it make me sicker? It's made me healthier. So I'm not going to yell at you and say, you know what? Quit being so stubborn. Observe, describe, allow. In, in, Life-saving, junior life-saving, this is what I allow. This is the image I will leave you with before I say goodbye. <laughs> is what in the Red Cross video, they would show us these videos as we were freezing. <laughs> Forget this, but it is engraved in my brain. They showed this river. And I remember thinking, what do I need to know anything about rivers for? I'm in Rhode Island. It's about the ocean here. Hello. But I needed to see this. Was There was something about eelgrass, which I knew nothing about. And when people are in a river and they're in deep over their head, and when you're in deep in your over, in, over your head in life, you struggle, right? That's not necessarily the most mindful way of handling it. There are things around you like eelgrass, like bosses, like spouses, like next door neighbors that you struggle with. You struggle. Like being an eelgrass, you thrash with your arms and your legs. And the more you struggle, the tighter your legs get wound up, roped in by this eelgrass. So the Red Cross video said, watch, lit the tide of time, allow the river to flow, and the eelgrass will flow with it. And slowly, if you relax, observe, describe, allow. They didn't say that on the tape. That's now in the 90s when we're doing mindfulness. Observe that with time, the eelgrass will go parallel to the river and your arms and legs will loosen and you will flow free. 
That image has always showed with me. Don't go against the rhythm of time. Do you understand? It's very yes. hard when we're anxious to str not struggle. Some people yes. say, why don't we just drain the river? Get rid of the river so these things don't happen. No. Because then we would learn mass, we would lose mastery. In some cultures, Native American, they throw the kid in the river. So they build resilience. So now could they can do that. Think of all the times that you've gotten in a crisis or a tragedy. And you've gotten out. It's a very difficult thing to do, observe, describe, allow. But then I would like to put the postscript. And by the way, think of the last time you were in this mess. You got out of it because you're now here. You got out of it before. And you can do it again with the help of the divine. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have a great day. Do well. Do right. Live brilliantly. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.